Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to the 7th edition of the Scottish Liberty Podcast. It is the 15th of July 2016. I'm Anthony Samroff. I'm here with my co-host. Tom Ware. And today we have a special guest, Daniel Fraser, and he's going to be educating us about the implications for liberty of the new Ghostbusters movie and contrasting that with the previous one. We don't like to talk about the second one. Would you like to take it away, Daniel? Yeah, hi everyone. So, I know that Tam is thinking to himself, what has the Ghostbusters got to do with libertarianism? That's astounding. I was actually going to say that. but yeah. Right, so first off, I'd like to say a little bit about the original Ghostbusters. Go for it. The original Ghostbusters is an argument for libertarianism. Get out of town. Yeah, yeah. So, it was made in the 1980s, which was when... The free market made a bit of a comeback, right? Right. Because you had Margaret Thatcher in the UK and Ronald Reagan in America, right? Or at least tried to make a bit of a comeback. Yeah, so they were supposedly a bit small government, even though they weren't really. Yeah. So let's see, the the Ghostbusters starts off with... uh, They're working at a university and they get fired, right? So The original. Yeah, this is the original. So they have to go into the free market. And there's a good quote here that I've got from um, Dan Aykroyd's character, talking to Bill Murray's character. He says, Personally, I like the university. They gave us money and funding. We didn't have to produce anything. You've never been out of college. You don't know what it's like out there. I've worked in the, pre- I've worked in the private sector. They expect results. Okay. Right. So. Yeah. That's good. Okay, now that you mention it, eh? Right, so it's straight away it's just poking fun at the government, you know, saying that it's, you know what I mean? It's yeah, I can see that, and not only the government, but government-funded education, I suppose as well. Right. Yeah. Dan Aykroyd's character has to remortgage his house to pay for the Ghostbusters going into business. There's another funny quote from Bill Murray's character: "Everybody has three mortgages these days." Right. right okay. So they go into business and everything's going fine. Everybody's happy. The Ghostbusters are making good money. The customers are happy. So everything's fine until they get a visit from a guy that works for the EPA, right? Yeah. Which is a department of the government, the Environmental Protection Agency. Right, and he's this weasel-faced actor who just comes in and spoils everything, you know. So again... Just poking fun at the government. Okay. Right? Saying the message here is that the government just always spoils everything, makes everything worse. Right. Right, because the guy eventually, you know, he forces them to sh- shut down the ghost traps. It causes an explosion. Right. Right, so... On what grounds does he does he force them to shut down the ghost traps? Because Because they're not... You know, they, they, they're not official ghost traps, or because they're not, they haven't been tested and tried, or but what's the angle there? Only the government's allowed. Um, <laughs> yeah, the government's got a monopoly on <laughs> Ghostbusters. Right? Well, what's the reason? The Ghostbusters are breaking federal laws, and the equipment is unlicensed. Right. Okay. Okay. So, well, the idea in the film is that he just wants to come in and spoil the Ghostbusters' fun. That's so, it. so they've got. 
basically they're providing a service that the consumers are happy with to use yeah. greedy capitalist pig language. The consumers, the general public are happy with the service and the government decides that it's up to them whether someone is or is not allowed to provide a service. Does that ever happen in the real world? can't think of any <laughs> specific examples, yeah. Uh, Especially when it comes to public safety. I mean, it's not like just anyone's allowed to make other people safe or anything. No, you tend to have to have the government's permission to do any of those services. Yeah, I mean, God forbid that I want to maybe go from here to Glasgow and maybe want to pay somebody to, to drive me to Glasgow uh, and that person wasn't an officially government-sanctioned taxi driver. Is there anything more from the first movie that you'd like to discuss? or? Well, yeah, just a couple of things. The mirror in the film is, you know, a bureaucrat. He doesn't really care about the public. In fact, there's another good quote here where okay. Bill Murray's character says to the mayor, you could save millions of registered voters. So right. the only way you can get the mayor to care about the public is by appealing to his self-interest. Right, right, okay. So referring to them as registered voters. See what I mean? Not yeah. human lives. Yeah. And there's also Rick Moranis's character, you know, the um, Sigourney Weaver's neighbour. He's, uh, he's a short, weedy guy. He's annoying. Yeah. Uh, you know, and his he, job... He, he always used to play... Uh, Rick Moranis, he always played the short, weedy, annoying guy. Yeah. And I'm convinced he must have been like that. Whatever happened to Rick Moranis, just as an aside? I don't know, right, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, his job in the film is a tax accountant. <laughs> so it's just... I mean, everyone in the film connected with the government is either is a dead loss or yeah, a, yeah. either you know annoying or bad or whatever incompetent and, yeah yeah and everyone in the free market is you know they work hard and they get things done okay it might have been Harold Remus the guy that played one of the ghostbusters there was a quote that he said about the ghostbusters everything is either sexual or political right okay so yeah all of these things aren't accidental fair enough uh, I mean, do we want to talk about Ghostbusters 2 or do we want to skip right past that and then go into how this new one uh, differs uh, in its its worldview? Well, no, like. there's not much to talk about in Ghostbusters 2. Right. There were a couple of bits, but no, let's just skip that. Yeah, let's, let's, let's do that. So how does that contrast with the new movie? Well, the new Ghostbusters is, well, it's got a lot of stuff in it that is actually pro-government. Everyone, it seems, in this film who works in the relatively free market is portrayed badly. Okay. Right, so there's a That never happens in movies. And yeah. never, have you ever seen a movie where the villain's a rich industrialist? No, no, nah, Wall think? Street, no, uh, yeah. Have you Wolf ever seen a Have you ever seen a movie where the hero is a rich industrialist? Well, yeah. Iron Man. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah. And Batman. Yeah, Bruce Wayne's part of the one percent. Yeah. <laughs> I, okay. Fuck, there's a few. There's Bruce a few Wayne. of them out there. Yeah, yeah. Go on. Yeah, so there's a delivery guy in the film. He always delivers lunch to the Ghostbusters. And no matter how close he is, it always takes him an hour to deliver lunch, right? And it's never what they want, right? The soup looks like dishwater. 
And why didn't they order food from someone else? Well, exactly. I mean, it's a free is, market. This is what happens in the free market. If someone does a bad job, yeah. you just stop doing business with them. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there's um, a hotel receptionist who is terrible at her job. Like, she's on the phone to a customer and she says, "All right, so you've got a complaint. Well, why don't you phone somebody who might care?" Click. Okay. Well, then I would I would I would say that possibly the government have created a situation in which people who do their job like that are safe. You know, you can't actually yeah. sack somebody uh, for being like that. That because, easily, you know. Yeah. Whereas it's difficult for it's difficult for new people to get jobs, and it's difficult to get rid of people who've already got jobs. Yeah, or relatively difficult by comparison to what it used to be mm-hmm. in the good old days where you could just shoot them yeah. or <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Throw them into a vat of acid. <laughs> Workplace safety. What? Go on. So, yeah, the worst part is, at the end of the film, I mean, this isn't really a big spoiler. I mean, I could walk you through the whole film and not really spoil it. I mean, the worst part of all is, at the end of the film, the Ghostbusters end up being funded by the government. Oh, right, and that's good. That's portrayed as a good thing. Yeah, so the bit in the middle where they were in the private sector is just seen as an annoying thing, and... Right, were they struggling while they were in the private sector? Well, yeah, they couldn't find a good premises, like the rents were too high, right? Oh, right, okay. Commenteering landlords. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, just more and more jabs at the free market. Not that there's any free market when it comes to property. Well, yeah. I mean, what's your general, I mean, just quickly, view of the film? Well, yeah, I can tell you now, I thought it was pretty fine. Um, Okay. You know, yeah. Uh, pretty funny not great I mean I wasn't laughing out loud or anything like that okay. what about this story well it's the plot is basically the same as the original right Right. because it isn't a sequel it's a remake right okay if you hadn't have seen the original would your view of it be any different um probably I mean I've, I'm probably biased because I liked the original Ghostbusters. Right. Yeah. So okay. a lot of people that went, I think. Mm, yeah. It is, it is a well- Or aren't they? I mean, I mean, I don't know here. Are a lot of the people who are going to see it fans of the original or are a lot, the way I read it, a lot of fans of the original aren't going anywhere near it. I mean, but- Oh well, yeah, so it's going both ways. Okay. Was there a, what would you say the proportion of male to female in the audience were? Mm, well, no. Can't have to tell when it's dark, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess there were more men there. Right. Not sure. Yeah, well, okay, yeah, pretty sure. Mostly men. Right. Fair dues. That's, I think, what you kind of expect from that kind of movie, even if they have chosen to make an all female lead cast. Yeah. It's still quite a boyish thing. For libertarians, then, would you recommend this movie or, or what? Um, Go and see it just to slate it. <laughs> well, yeah, that's an idea. Wait mm. till it's on Put Locker. Yeah, do that or, or sneak in, <laughs> get somebody else to pay in, whatever. Or, uh, or if you're just the kind of person who doesn't think about these things, who is just getting on with his life and just wants light entertainment. 
It's good for that as well. Okay. Are we busted on the Ghostbusters? Uh, I think we've just performed the exorcism. Okay. So, what else has been in the news? Someone who might need to be exorcised. <laughs> Someone who may. <laughs> who may need to be exorcised or may not. Uh, Theresa May uh, da, 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 is now the second female Prime Minister uh, of the United Kingdom. Um, you got two at the same yeah, well, she, that would be a, a, that's too horrific to contemplate. But um, she's the, she's the second one after Margaret Thatcher, of course. What's good from my point of view? I mean, I, I don't particularly like Theresa May, but it's just good that we now have had two female prime ministers from the conservative right, none from the liberal left. That's despite all their affirmative action. Mm-hmm. All their all-female shortlists, all their talk about uh, sexual equality, and yet the left haven't produced a female prime minister. Now it shouldn't really matter, but the left always, the left and feminists in, uh, in particular, always make a, a big thing of this. Um, so you know, why not wade in and say, okay, we've had a second female prime minister from the right, uh, and that's in a party not famed for their no. um, for their right-on attitudes. Towards. Um, towards either women or ethnic groups or anything else. I'm not saying that's a, a correct appraisal of them, but that's generally the, mm-hmm. what, how people would look at it. So I think it's interesting, and uh, I think probably it will annoy the left as well, which is always good. But what I want to talk about is the implications in terms of liberty. As libertarians, I mean, we discussed uh, in the run-up to this that we thought Ledsom would have been the better candidate in terms of liberty. Uh, on the balance. And on balance. Then, I'm not even sure she would have been a great candidate. No, I don't think she'd have been a great Prime Minister. Uh, I don't think she's a great leader. I just think she was maybe slightly more principled than Theresa May, but I could have that wrong. I mean, time will tell. But we're, we're having a look at her voting record earlier, and it's interesting. Uh, it seems to be... Generally speaking, she seems to have been uh, both economically and socially conservative in the main. Right. Uh, there's a few anomalies there, I think. Uh, well, we, let's have a look. I mean, she voted uh, against the smoking ban. She voted against the hunting ban. She voted... It's not a specific uh, one when we looked at it, but it said that her vote on gay and lesbian and gay and transgender issues were a bit of both. I don't know how... You come out with how they come out with that. Although that's quite yeah, well, exactly. That's very apt. Um, but she she voted for same sex Partnership. partnerships to be legalised at least. She's voted for foreign intervention consistently. So we're talking which is about not Iraq, Iraq, Afghanistan. Afghanistan. Any time British troops have had to go abroad, uh, Serbia. She's, so she's, she's always hawk. been pro. She's very hawkish okay. in terms of a foreign intervention, that's which is not. Yeah, that's really all we need to know as, as libertarians, to be honest. Although I'm sure we could have maybe Liam on the program at some point, mm-hmm. uh, and he could maybe give us an argument on that from the hawkish side of our own party. She was for uh, the referendum on the Brexit, but mm. she was against the Brexit. And uh, she voted against, interestingly voted against, most of Labour's anti-terror laws. So that's civil libertarian. That's civil libertarian. Whereas 
At the time, I would add that the Tories were pushing for a longer period of detention without trial than Labour were. Okay. So at that time, libertarians tend not to favour detention without trial. At the time, it's worthy of mentioning that the Conservative Party were even less civil libertarian than the neo-liberals yeah. in the Labour Party. And the weird thing is, uh, it's Theresa May as Home Secretary who seemed to be wanting to push through things like the Snoopers Charter, which would involve the right of the security uh, services and the police to read all of your emails, private or otherwise, and was kind of illiberal when it came to uh, free speech. Right. Uh, she was all for hate speech laws, to my knowledge. Uh, she certainly was for anybody who disagreed with her version of what Islam was. She she didn't really have a lot of time for. So, a strange combination of things. But, in balance, I don't see her. She's certainly no friend of liberty, as far as I can see. And I know that she's generally quite feminist as well. I think she done in a, a vaulted face, as I say, on the all-female shortlists. She was against them at one time, but now she seems to be making noises that she's she's for it. And I don't know whether that was just dog whistling for the female vote. So for the majority of people, or at least for a large percentage of people, the word feminist simply means someone who believes that women are equal to men. So would you like to give your perspective on why someone self-identifying as a feminist might actually be unfavourable to liberty? Well, just, well, for example, the creation of all-female shortlists, I mean, I understand what she'd be trying to do. She'd be trying to reset the imbalance. However, from a feminist perspective, the imbalance is there because of ingrained sexism and patriarchy. Yeah, can I just... Yeah, sure, absolutely. Please do. Well, this is the reason that I wouldn't identify as a feminist. Feminism is also based on the premise that women have always been oppressed and men have always been privileged. Privileged, yeah. And that just isn't true. I mean, men and women have always had different ends, different sticks. Yeah. So it isn't as simple as women have always been oppressed and men No, I would, I, I would totally agree. Uh, you know, I think I've mentioned before, you know, with the Pankhursts, uh, you know, swanning around London in a, a frock and a big hat, uh, eating cucumber sandwiches and playing croquet with Lord and Lady Asquith. Well, I don't know if they actually played croquet with Lord and Lady Asquith, but you get the point. Whereas some guy working down a black hole in Yorkshire or Scotland, you know, all the hours of the day, never seeing the daylight, dying at the age of 40 of silicosis, somehow he's privileged and the Pankhursts were underprivileged, I find frankly laughable. I think when they talk about male privilege, they're talking about Barack Obama, uh, Bill Gates, People at the top. David Big. they're talking about a very small percentage so of men. I think when you factor into account the fact through most of human history, the vast majority of people up until the Industrial Revolution, were living on $3 a day. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking about, yes, it's true, women couldn't be admitted to conservatoires 
and be artists and writers and that's terrible yeah. but neither could most men True. you're only talking about the very privileged men at the top for who were able to do those things but my problem with someone self-identifying as a feminist in politics is not a concern over the equality of men and women which i think almost everyone's in favor of in some capacity or another today it's the fact that they want to legislate it. Yeah. What that can be indicative of is usually using the government to force through equality on issues that aren't necessarily anything to do with a gender disadvantage so much as different lifestyle choices that men and women might decide to make. Right, yeah. so the classic example is the wage gap, right? Yeah. The so, mythical wage gap. Yeah, men tend to earn more than women, therefore sexism. Yeah, automatically, patriarchy. This, this so. is what feminists say. And and interestingly, Theresa May, when she made her, her speech in yeah, the coming yeah. actually mentioned, you know, gap. if you're a woman, you will, earn, you will earn less than a man. <laughs> you know, uh, that's just not right. Yeah. You know, if that's how she means to continue, then that's that's pretty disturbing because she's got access to people who are researchers neither her nor one of her researchers could be bothered apparently to do a five minute google search on wage gap and find out the facts and find out that it's a myth you know she just she just and the authoritative text on that is why men earn more by warren farrell and he talks about 25 reasons why men earn more than women on the balance. And they're not to do with gender discrimination. It's things like working longer hours, willing to commute further, willing to take more dangerous jobs. Even when men and women supposedly get paid differently for the same job. Yeah. The same job doesn't mean the same number of years of experience. No. The same job doesn't mean putting the same amount of hours in. The same job doesn't mean the same level of qualifications or driving as far for work and things like that. So when mm-hmm. we compile data on issues like this, we need to be very careful that we control for all of the relevant factors. And you know, even when a man and a woman do the same job and work the same number of hours, yeah. Men are more willing to work at weekends and do night shifts. Mm. And obviously you, well, you know, get more for that. Here's what they're really telling you. you know, that in, a, in a world where us capitalist pigs reign supreme, where they will employ anybody, they will employ somebody from Somalia right, who can't even speak English as long as he's cheaper, as long as it's more economical to do it, more profitable to do so than take a local guy. Yet we're expected to believe that the last bastion of their prejudice is women. You know, we'll take that guy from Somalia, but God damn it, we're not employing any women in this company. Why would they do that? Why would any company employ men in any capacity when you could employ women for a 30% cheaper rate? You could destroy your competition. We know that companies in the current climate have went to the wall for a margin of 3% or less. Uh, and if you listen to a lot of feminists, they're even better you know, at doing the job than men are. So get them in and let's destroy our, our competition very quickly. And of course, when you look at it like that, it's absolutely nonsensical. And of course, I'm oversimplifying. But then so is the wage gap oversimplifying. There would have to be economic reasons. So coming back to the original point yeah. on oppression, 
both men and women have had it bad historically because both men and women have been poor historically. And in any sort of circumstance where resources and food are scarce, probably men are going to be dominant if for no other reason than their stature. They're bigger and stronger than women. But historically, men were eligible for the draft. They could be sent to war at any time and they had to work all the most dangerous and unpleasant jobs. The majority of dangerous and unpleasant jobs are still being done in the large by men. That doesn't mean that women don't face any disadvantages, but the idea that it's as simple as a wave of a magic wand from government to fix any of these things is fantasy. I mean, when you let women study what they wanted, you found that very quickly they started dominating in sciences that were predominantly male-dominated, like biology and psychology. But it might just be that women aren't that interested in engineering or chemistry. But they are. You know, here's the weird thing. You know, when it's a necessity, when they have to... If you look at the Scandinavian countries, which are arguably the most gender-equal countries in the world... When women genuinely have a choice, they gravitate to uh, traditional gender roles such as nursing, care work. In countries like Iran and India, which are arguably not very gender equal at all, women take the STEM subjects because it's an out. They need to do it. It's the only way they can to actually break out of that society is to qualify in those subjects and they dominate in those subjects in those countries. And because those are poor countries and yeah. they make more money by going into STEM subjects. Absolutely. But why do men and women need to be the same? Why can we not celebrate our differences as long as anyone has the choice to be a tomboy or um, a... Tom girl, or whatever. Yeah, big you know, Jessies used long, to call them that. <laughs> as long as we don't stop anyone, I don't see why we have to socially engineer men and women to be the same. Well, yeah, that that's kind of, kind of how I feel about it as well. But when there's a discrepancy and an anomaly, people generally tend to go, oh, it's automatically sexism. The anomalies that we see in terms of gender discrepancy are not always down to sex discrimination as feminists would have you believe and I think that's the disturbing thing I think about uh, Theresa May on that issue I want to talk about the new Pokemon game I thought you were going to say the new Pope but okay the new Pokemon game carry on yes so Pokemon have Pokemon have released I don't think it's Pokemon who've released it <laughs> that would be interesting if they did though if, if Pokemon had become so sophisticated that they had developed an actual life of their own and were able to re- recreate their own games <laughs> That would be a phenomenon. That would be excellent. Some company that is only a Google away has released a new game called Pokemon Go. And I've never been into Pokemon. In fact, when I came home from school, I hated Pokemon because it was on at a time where there was nothing else that I liked on television. And I felt like forced to watch it because I didn't want to do my homework. Uh, How do you get Pikachu on a bus? I don't know. Pokemon. Oh, right, okay. Sorry. There you go. Uh, there you go. Yeah, well, we needed some, need some humour on this show because <laughs> so far we've been humourless bastards. <laughs> uh, what's remarkable about this game is in order to find items or bonuses or Pokemon, you actually have to walk around in the real world. And I think it's really fantastic that way, unless it leads to an increase in accidents because people are looking at their phone. What I think is fantastic about it is that it's getting people who, some of whom, 
don't leave the house very much. They have, let's say, um, marginal proclivities. Ooh. <laughs> when I was at school, we used to call them geeks. All right, so okay. it's getting people off their arse and getting some exercise. It sort of works in the way that whoever invented the memory stick probably saved more trees than any environmental activist ever. Okay. I'm not saying that Good environmental point. activists are bad. In fact, I, I have been one. I've even volunteered in tree replanting uh, retreats twice. Okay. So that's my version. That was, that was that's a my feeble attempt to get your hole, yeah. was it not? <laughs> yeah, because that's... Such a shocking allegation. There. That, that's worked. Maybe in the 60s it would have worked when tree planters were all, all about free love. Right. Nowadays you need to do more than plant trees to get okay. your hole. Right. Although I did dig a few. (laughs) 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 So, interesting times. And I just think innovation is the way to solve all social problems. I think this is just the beginning. I mean, well, the we was the beginning. (laughs) Don't start, man. The Nintendo Wii had people dancing about their living room pretending to play tennis or volleyball. There was Dance Dance Revolution, which got people moving about. This kind of thing about using people's love for computer games and gamification is just at the beginning of what liberty and the free market can produce in terms of getting people to do things like exercise that they otherwise wouldn't... Yeah, rather than legislating. Yes, and I wouldn't be surprised if in our lifetimes we're going to start seeing people get games to help... So many people suffer from back pain to get people to learn to sit in positions that are good for their back and to assess them and give them exactly the right stretching exercises that they need for their particular body type to maintain health. And I just think it's all good, man. I think we're going to see all sorts of amazing innovations in terms of what people's love for computer games can do for for their health and well-being. And I'm all for it. Have you any views on Pokemon? Well, yeah, one thing I heard that someone was playing this game and did get into a pretty serious accident. Mm. Uh, I don't know how. Oh, according to the, the subsequent uh, press, people have walked out in front of cars or, you know, walked in, <laughs> down manholes. I don't know if anybody does it anymore. In a comedic moment, uh, fall down a manhole, uh, slipped in banana skins, you named it, all sorts of hilarity and uh, mayhem has uh, ensued with this game. There was something I'd seen in the news as well, that because when you're walking around and you're totally engaged in this game, you're not really self-aware mm. in, the, in the normal sense. So people are going to visit like Auschwitz and, and places like that, and the Imperial War Museums in Arlington Grange Cemetery in America, and playing this Pokemon game, and it's really pissing uh, like veterans off and the families of veterans because like, that's so uncaring and so you know just bad for them you know to, to well, do that I heard that I'm not sure if this is true or not <laughs> this shouldn't be funny go for it yeah. I saw a news story that they put uh, someone had found the gas Pokemon in a Holocaust Memorial Museum. <laughs> that's and, good. And, that's and good. That, that can't be right. It caused an outrage. I saw a news story, so check that out. Google it. I know that shouldn't be fun. We've. I'm like the worst Jew ever because I've, like, I've. We've already laughed at Miss Hitler. Mm. See yeah. episode five. Exactly. <laughs> my, my grandparents were gassed 
Auschwitz and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. All I got was this lousy Pokemon. <laughs> right, okay. On an, on that seriously shocking anti-Semitic note, uh, <laughs> if indeed it is, we'll now move on uh, swiftly. Briefly, just quickly, we're going to touch on the Paris, uh, not Paris, it's Nice. We're getting, there's that many attacks in France these it's days. There's been a lot of attacks. Yeah. I don't know whether, I, I can't, I refuse to believe it's just because they banned the burqa, which I'm not for. I think it was a liberal thing to do. Why do we always have this, should we ban it or shouldn't we ban it thing? Why does the government get involved? How about if you own a premises, it's your right to decide what people are and aren't allowed to wear on your premises. Yes, agreed. But France seem to be really getting it tight and it's Islamist attacks. This latest one is a guy who took a truck and drove it full pelt down a main street during uh, the Bastille Day uh, celebrations and the, the, the latest body counts 80 odd people, which is a really high death toll. It just mm. shows you, you don't need a gun. Uh, not the but apparently if you he, really want to commit yeah. a terror attack, you will do it, yeah. whether guns are illegal or not. The only thing that guns making guns illegal does is take them out of the hands of people who might shoot the terrorists. Yeah, and this guy, uh, this latest one, was stopped. He would have killed more people if he hadn't have been shot dead, albeit by the police. But, uh, I mean, there was plenty of police around because it was Bastille Day and because they were expecting something in order to do that. But I find it interesting, again, the avoidance. I don't want to make too much of it, but had this guy have been like Anders Breivik, had he have been a neo-Nazi, immediately would have been talking about neo-Nazism and does it produce a mindset in which you see other people as inferiors and therefore their life has no consequence so it's alright to kill them does it produce that mindset this guy is the latest in the long line of people claiming at least to be Muslims um, the press call them Muslim extremists I don't know I read about Islam and as far as I can see the guy's not an extremist he's basically doing what he feels his prophet would have done and, and, and that's his interpretation of his of Islam. Now we have libertarian Muslims out mm-hmm. there. We've heard from them. There is We're a website and, called Muslims for Liberty for and that's for Liberty. You can check that out. Yeah, please do. And I'm all for them. I think it's a great thing and we hopefully we can get the guy from there on, on our, our on our show together with maybe Martin who's a former uh, libertarian party leader who is himself a Muslim, would like to get them on and would like to see, because, I mean, I'm of the view that it's pretty hard to have a libertarian worldview simultaneously with an Islamic worldview. So people will have to tell us if that they're particularly interested in, because, you know, we yeah. need to hear from our listeners. What do you guys want us to talk about on the show? Because that's really important to us. So from there, I believe that you have something to offer us on Peter Schiff. For those of you who don't know Peter Schiff, Peter Schiff's the economist from America. His father was... Erwin Schiff. Erwin Schiff. Author of the book How an Economy Grows and Why It Doesn't. Yeah, and we can't can't recommend that enough. Excellent introduction to Uh, economics. Erwin Schiff, correct me if I'm wrong, died incarcerated. He died incarcerated. They wouldn't let him out. Wouldn't let his family visit him while he was... Handcuffed to a bed in He was incredibly ill and his only crime was not paying his taxes. Yeah, well, we say crime. He broke a law 
All he tried to do was keep what he earned. He said that it was unconstitutional, the income tax, that it was against... Yeah, but, and I believe him to be right uh, on that the, the American Constitution, which only says that profits can be taxed, not income. You've got a special report for us on breaking news yep. about Peter Schiff. Go for it. Yeah, so Peter Schiff owns a gold company called Schiff Gold, delivers physical gold to your house, and they also store gold for you. If you don't have any gold, you should get some, even though the price is high just now. I'm sure it's going to go much higher. Peter Schiff has just done a merge with another company called Gold Money. And, yeah, it's fantastic. Gold Money is a company where you can set up a bank account online. And instead of having fiat currency in your account, pounds or whatever American dollars, you can have gold in your account. So I set up an account for myself the other day. I put £100 into the account. But... I don't have £100 in the account. I've got 2.9 grams of gold. Okay. And it's got all the advantages of owning gold and none of the drawbacks, right? right. So the problem with owning physical gold, like a gold Security. Well, also, you can't just take a gold sovereign to a supermarket and spend (laughs) it. File off a couple of grams for your, yeah. Gold money... You can spend your gold if you want to because they'll send you a credit card where you can buy any, you can buy a packet of crisps with gold if you want mm. to. So you just how widely accepted is it? Is it tied to a major card company or is it an, as an entity of its own? Well, no, it, it's not like Bitcoin where only one out of every hundred places will accept it. Okay, you can just take it to. I think you can use it anywhere and. Right. You know, you can just pay with the, you know, the card machine and the person that you're paying doesn't know that they're getting gold because they just get pounds into their account. Or, if you like, you can do international transfers. You can buy something gold and pay for it in Australian dollars, right? I mean, there yeah. are tons of things you can do. Okay, for you then, what would you say is the advantage to having that system as opposed to the blockchain system? like Bitcoin? The uh, the major problem that people have with Bitcoin is that Bitcoin doesn't have any intrinsic value, mm. which I would disagree with because there is no such thing really as intrinsic value. Okay. Value, you know... It can be subjective. Yeah, I mean... If we discover a way to turn coal into diamonds tomorrow... Just like that, diamonds suddenly become worthless. Well, it's just interesting as an aside. <laughs> Rumour has it diamonds yeah. are oh, practically right. worthless. Okay. So there's that many of them, but they're controlled very uh, specifically to keep their value high. Well, you know, diamonds are a good example yeah. because pretty much the only reason other than, well, you can cut glass with them. They're the <laughs> hardest substance in nature. Right? Yeah, but you but, can produce industrial diamonds. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much the only reason that diamonds are valuable is because people want them yeah mm-hmm. they're not useful no really they're just shiny yeah and they look you can't nice. really make anything out of them yeah other than jewelry yeah mm-hmm. gold uh, crystal skulls and so forth yeah. yeah yeah so this is the advantage that gold has gold is useful yeah uh, but 
still, gold doesn't really have any intrinsic value because 200,000 years ago, a lump of gold would have been worthless because nobody wanted to use it. Value is really just how much somebody wants something. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's mm -hmm. it. Okay. So thank you for that special report and thank you for coming on as a guest on the Scottish Liberty podcast, Daniel. Yeah, it's been good. Well, I'm happy to be here. I'm a fan of the show. Thank you. Well, thank you. Well, we'll, we'll no doubt we'll have you on uh, again at some point. Looking until, forward to it. Until then, be libertarians. Don't be a lefty or, or a righty. Be a libertarian.